Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 374th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week for this Thanksgiving weekend just passed is yesterday the Pittsburgh Steelers avenging their loss of a few weeks to go to the Cleveland Browns. And the brawl game by beating them yesterday in Pittsburgh. Uh, Devlin Duck Hodges starting his second game as quarterback for the Steelers. Third stringer, basically, behind Ben and Mason Rudolph. Uh, Looked good again yesterday. And he is becoming a cult hero, as anyone who watched the game could tell from all the fans in Pittsburgh wearing the duck hats, and he, of course, got the nickname of Duck by becoming the national champion duck caller, where he grew up in Alabama, hence uh, Devlin Duck Hodges, and the kid just looks like a winner. He came in, uh, started yesterday in place of Mason Rudolph, who, of course, was uh, the centerpiece, along with Miles Garrett in the brawl a few weeks ago on the uh, night game in Cleveland. And the guy just, again, has the look of a winner, Duck Devlin. He just seems to get it done. And, uh, again, the fans are loving him. And this was an important game for Pittsburgh. Uh, it's amazing. They started out 1-4 and four after they lost Ben Roethlisberger in, I believe, the second week of the season after a woeful opening game performance against the Patriots up here in Foxborough, which I attended. And, uh, and now they are 7-5. and five. If the season ended today, they would literally be in the playoffs. It's hard to believe. So starting off 1-4 and four, and now 7-5 and five means, obviously, they're 6-1 and one in their last seven games, which is uh, nothing short of remarkable. And... Uh, so, Mike Tomlin right now has to be the leading candidate for Coach of the Year. Uh, what he's doing is nothing short of amazing. Um, they're playing the Arizona Cardinals out in Arizona this weekend, and uh, and all they have to do is keep on winning, and they're likely going to be in the playoffs. So it's just really rather remarkable uh, to watch the Steelers, and of course. The NFL warned both teams, so there was no uh, revenging 
the Miles Garrett brawl of a couple weeks ago, and uh, so it was a clean game, uh, but had a little spice added to it when Cleveland coach Freddie Kitchens was seen last week wearing a shirt that said Pittsburgh started it, and at the end of the game yesterday, lo and behold, what was surfacing, but Pittsburgh finished it, t-shirts, black with gold print, so uh, uh, I thought that was uh, pretty good stuff from the creative Steeler fans. Uh, as they prepare to invade Arizona this coming weekend. Well, the low light of the week is the Patriots' dismal performance, losing to the Texans, Houston Texans, last night on Sunday Night Football. Uh, The key play of the game, in my estimation, was the fourth and inches when the score was still close. And uh, rather than the patented Tom Brady quarterback sneak to pick up the inches and get a first down. They were down uh, close to the red zone. They threw a pass to uh, Mohamed Sanu that uh, could have had, but he couldn't hold on. And and that just felt like that was it. Um, Although, to the Patriots' credit, they scored two late touchdowns to bring it close and actually had an onside kick with about a minute to go. And it was the absolute perfect onside kick where it bounced once or twice. And on the second bounce, just took a huge leap over the first wave of, uh, of the Houston Texans kickoff team and bounced into a wide open territory where Brandon Bolden got his hands on it, bobbled it, and it went out of bounds. Uh, unfortunate for the steer for the Patriots, they had they recovered. Tom Brady, fifty six seconds to go or thereabouts, uh, with you know having just scored two touchdowns. Uh, who knows what they would have done? And best of all, they were down six. So had they gotten a, the onside kick and a touchdown, an extra point, which we all know they're capable of doing in those circumstances, really quickly. Uh, they would have won the game, which would have just been amazing, probably just about as amazing as the last time they played on that field, which, of course, was coming back from 28-3 in the Super Bowl to beat the Atlanta Falcons. We certainly all remember that. That game was played in Houston, uh, like last night's game, and wouldn't that have been something? But all credit to the Houston Texans. I don't think Bill O'Brien, as their coach, has ever beaten the Patriots. So he... uh, he got that monkey off his back, and the game carried a lot of ramifications uh, as the Patriots gave up the AFC number one seed to the Baltimore Ravens, who simply looked just about unbeatable with Lamar Jackson. And they, of course, had their own huge game yesterday, uh, winning on the last play to beat the 49ers. Uh, on a Justin Tucker kick, he is money, to say the least, perhaps uh, starting to flirt with being one of the great kickers of all time. He already is one of them, um, and he's already setting some records. I think it was his 37th straight fourth quarter field goal, which is remarkable. And my bizarre story of the week are just simply some of the results from yesterday's awesome, interesting NFL Sunday, starting with the Miami Dolphins beating the Philadelphia Eagles uh, down in Miami uh, with a just incredibly creative 
play to score a touchdown. I think it was in the second quarter where the center lined up away from everyone else. Behind him was the punter, I believe. They were on about the five, six-yard line of the Eagles. And the punter took the snap, ran slightly to his left, and flipped, literally basketball style, flipped a pass to, I believe it was the place kicker in the end zone for a touchdown. One of the great gadget plays we've all seen in recent memory. So the Eagles are looking very shaky and the Dolphins are uh, still have life. And another bizarre upset was the Washington Redskins winning their second in a row by literally running over the Carolina Panthers down in Charlotte. Uh, Panthers still have a lot to play for. Redskins do not. Um, but they came to play. All credit to them. And they pulled off the upset. Uh, went down to the end. And I was a little surprised that on the final play, with a chance to, uh, I think, tie it if they got a two-point conversion uh, and scored the touchdown, of course, first, uh, they didn't give it to the best player. Put the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands. I was surprised on that play when he lined up wide right. Uh, I'd, again, just had him <laughs> in the backfield and just given him the ball and let him do what he does, which is simply uh, having perhaps an MVP season, although that took a bit of a hit yesterday. Um, but they didn't get it done, and... Uh, all credit to the Redskins. They held on for their second straight victory. Uh, and good for them. And lastly, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, were the last winless team left in the NFL. And they got, uh, got that monkey off their back by beating the New York Jets for their first win of the season. So there are now no winless teams nor undefeated teams in the NFL. This year, and uh, and the Bengals won the game in Cincinnati rather handily, I might add. And uh, and again, you know, just good for them. They, uh, you know, they look good and took care of the Jets, who have just been, to say the least, an up and down team. And just going back a few, uh, you know, a few days here to Thanksgiving evening the buffalo bills they are now one game behind the patriots in the afc east they of course went into dallas on thanksgiving day the traditional dallas home game and beat the cowboys pretty handily so there's a lot of angst in dallas and a lot of chestiness going on in buffalo and suddenly uh there's a game on the end of the season on Saturday, I believe December 21st at 4.30. It's one of those flex games with the uh, Saturday schedule. Patriots hosting the Bills. Uh, there could be a one-game differential. Who knows what's going to happen in the meantime. Uh, that is looming suddenly as a big, big game. I will be there 20 minutes from my house at Gillette Stadium that day. And... Who knew the Bills and the Patriots at the end of the season uh, could be battling for the AFC East title, which is just uh, rather hard to believe. And in the meantime, though, the Bills, 
the, the NFL flexed out a Sunday, uh, the, the Bills and the Steelers, Bills at Steelers, a week from Sunday. So it's now going to be Sunday night football. And given my earlier conversation about the Steelers, uh, again, if the season ended today, the Steelers would be in the playoffs along with the Bills, by the way. Those are the two teams and right now uh, set up to win for the wild card if the season ended today. And uh, that could be a great Sunday night game. Bills at Steelers. Uh, easy drive from Buffalo to Pittsburgh. So that uh, that game is looming as uh, appointment television uh, 13 days out from now. So let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, who will be discussing attending the epic Iron Bowl on Saturday. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. 
And AP, you were at the epic, and I do mean epic, Iron Bowl on Saturday, Alabama-Auburn, and I uh, can't wait to hear your take on it because it was one of the more interesting games I've ever watched in my life. John, it was a gorgeous day, about 70 degrees with a slight breeze, two teams, uh, arch rivals. So I think it's I think it's the best rivalry in college football. Uh, I may be slightly biased, but I've seen so many terrific ball games. Alabama's vying for a college football playoff uh, position, maybe at number four. Auburn trying to uh, get to a 9-3 season with a chance to win 10 games. Freshman quarterback Bo Nix, he performed very well. His statistics weren't impressive, but he hit some critical passes, 15-31 for 173 yards. Alabama with the second-string quarterback, Mac Jones, uh, Ivan Trophy candidate to Tunga but was injured. He had 350-something yards, and they had 500-something yards of offense, scored 45 points. That's their average in the SEC competition. Auburn comes up with 48, which is uh, 19 points above their average to win the ball game. Just remarkable, AP. Uh, that second quarter, you talk about scoring. Let's start with that. Um, there was some ridiculous, and I believe, points, record John. number of points. 48 points in the second quarter, and a lot of it was really in the second half of the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, John, it was something else. I never thought, you know, the over and under was around 49, 50 points, something of that nature. And to see uh, 48 points scored in that second quarter, uh, it, it was just mind-blowing. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. But that, when you play at Auburn, strange things happen, and it looked like Matt Jones tried was trying to play for both teams. He threw a couple pick sixes going the other direction. Indeed he did. That one was just incredible, 100-yard 100, 100 pick six. Uh, and AP, the first, needless to say, the game itself and the first half both ended on just – Unbelievable plays. Very, very controversial, both of them. Obviously, we'll start with the end of the game and uh, where Alabama was whistled for 12 men on the field as basically, if I have it right, uh, uh, the punter and the quarterback, Bo Nix, were both on the field at the same time. Alabama substituted. And next thing you know, Bo Nix is waving his arms and saying 12 men on the field and Referees called it, and that's how it ended. It, of course, was a fourth down play. Had Alabama stopped them on that play, they would have had some time left, and the way the game was going, uh, could have gone down to win the game. Just that simple. Uh, but it didn't come to pass, and uh, just unbelievable ending, to say the least. Yeah, that's what we missed, John. The last chance for Alabama to score, that would have been something as well to yes. find out if they could have – uh, went the length of the field to get another opportunity for a field goal. Yeah, the, uh, Jalen Waddle was the punt return man, and they tried to put the right. defense in. They put the 11 defenders in, and Jalen Waddle stayed on the field. And uh, Bo Nix waved his arms, and next you know, the, 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 there was the substitution infraction. That was a five yards, and I think it was like a fourth down and four. So the five yards gave him the first down, and that was the end of the ball game. There's nothing else that they can do at that point. One of the weirdest endings 
in history, uh, especially when you factor in the stakes, especially for Alabama and the college football playoff for the game then that way. And then, of course, at the end of the first half was the uh, what turned out to be an Auburn field goal from uh, 50 yards plus, I believe, or thereabouts, long field goal. and 52, 52. 52. 52 yards, AP. And, you know, that was where basically the Auburn running back was kind of stacked up, held up. And it, bottom line, the refs put one second back on the clock when it looked like time had expired and hence giving them the opportunity for a field goal. And you can't overstate the value of those three points at that moment in time. I think it made the score like 31-27, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, AP, my take home from that one, aside from the obvious controversy and review and all that, I don't think I've ever seen Nick Saban matter more angry on a football field than that moment in time at the end of the first half. Yeah, he was because he was under the impression that there's no way you can get the, the snap off one second and kick the football because there's an official near him or something that he mentioned in the press conference and said, well, don't worry about it. They won't get it off. But as I listened to uh, someone explain the situation, if it's less than three seconds and because they had to stop the clock for the replay, you have the one second and you can't snap the ball as soon as the whistle is blown and get the kickoff. So he kind right. of confused the rule where if you have, if you have three seconds or more, then that, that's, you need three seconds or more, but you don't want, if the clock is stopped for a review and they had the first down as well. And as we know, it's comfortable. They stopped it for the first down. So that was a legal play. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the review is what created basically the timeout, so to speak. Um, and API totally agree. I mean, if you have one second, I mean, all you have to do is snap the ball. And as we all know, the play then can unfold in whatever fashion it unfolds. And it frankly, could take 10, 20, 30 seconds for one play. It doesn't matter once the right. ball is snapped, then it's just a free clock. So I, I'm glad you said that, AP, because I was confused with Nick Saban's reasoning as well. Just frankly asking myself, what is he thinking on this? Because that, that's just like a of course, if there's one second left and you have the ball to snap, it doesn't matter how long it, the play takes. You just, all you have to do is snap the ball, and then the clock is rendered meaningless. Right. Yeah, so actually that, that field goal, John, that he made at the, at the end of the half, uh, you know, that was incredible. The way they snapped the ball, and he hits a 52-yarder. I mean, he was hot all day, four for four, and they were, the other ones were all 40 plus yards, but for a team to line up, be ready to snap the ball, kick a, a field goal in a huge ball game, I mean, kudos to them, to their special teams coordinator who uh, made that happen. Right. No question. It was a, uh, a masterful call by Gus Malzahn and uh, coordinators, special teams, coaches, whomever. And then AP, we have to finally get to the kick here, which is, of course, uh, the Alabama kicker, I think it's Joseph Bullivus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. You and I have yeah. talked at length over the years because you cover Alabama <laughs> week in, week out about how it has cost them in the past and was probably going to cost them in the future. And boy, it sure did. I mean, what, what surprised me was, you know, it wasn't a long field goal. It wasn't even 30 yards, I don't think. They were down around like seven or eight yards. It was yards, 30 yards, line. John. 
Yeah, it was, yeah. It was 30 yards, John. And, and essentially, John, it was really funny because all through the football season, I'm on my show and various shows and your show, I would bring up the fact that Joseph could make a 45-yard field goal, but he could miss an extra point. And essentially, that's what happened because he made the opening kick 43 yards, and an extra point would be 20 yards, balls on three, you snap it back seven yards, 10 yards, and the end of 20. But, he, but you have to have the same amount of strength in, uh, in your leg to make an extra point as, he, as you would a 30 yards. So that's what happened. I mean, I didn't predict it, but I just made that comment week after week. He can hit the 45-yarder, but miss the extra point from 20. And that's what happened in the game against Auburn. Now, it was right underneath the goalpost when it happened, John. You were. I was at the right, uh, underneath the right, um, upright, and, and hit it on the left. Right. We, we're, obviously, it hit the upright flush, and I mean flush, like a, there was a big bounce. It wasn't like a deflection. It was just a like hitting a wall type of uh, yeah. kick. And so you said it perfectly, AP. It was really just like an old-time extra point, even less than the NFL these days, just an old-time extra point. Right. And so that's a great observation. The fact that, you know, they're simply, uh, you know, he's more likely to make it from 45 than from 25 or 30. And, uh, and then AP, just to close it out, uh, at least for this segment here, um, Jalen Waddle, you mentioned him earlier. Of course, he was the punt returner on the last play of the game. Uh, where Alabama was called for 12 men on the field. But more importantly, he's the nation's leading punt returner. So what could have happened on that play is one thing. But AP, he just had a game for the ages. That one play, I believe, in the second quarter, of course, where he kind of took the ball on a crossing pattern, and it was like two or three Auburn defenders <laughs> had like the angle on him. And he it just sure outran them all and went down the sidelines. AP, that was one of the, like, most impressive, impressive plays displaying speed that I've ever seen anybody make. I, I couldn't believe that he got the ball sort of in the middle of the field and just angled left and cut off all those angles. It just ran, outran all those angles. That, that was just a remarkable play, I thought, and a part of a remarkable yeah. game. Yeah, it was a nice reception. I thought he was going to make uh, have a huge gain, and then I seen heading for the sideline. And I'm watching the Auburn defenders and say, well, they should make the tackle or you just shove them out of bounds. Right. But he just ran by everybody. AP, it was the very definition of the of the phrase turning on the afterburners. I, I've never it reminded <laughs> me of the of the scene in Star Wars and the in the very first ever Star Wars when uh, that rocket ship goes into some kind of hyperspeed and like disappears from the screen. That's what it reminded me of. That's the first thing I thought of was like I've just never seen a player, <laughs> NFL, college, or otherwise, just absolutely turn it on as he rounded that corner towards the sidelines and then just, he was like a comet streaking across the sky. But what a game he had, huh? Uh, John, you know, when I reviewed his performance, he showed his leaping ability when he caught the touchdown in the end zone. He, I know his high school coach told me he could dunk a basketball at five foot nine. You saw the speed on the sideline. You saw the elusiveness with the kick kickoff return. You saw him making nice receptions throughout the game. And he, he's just a terrific ball player, and Alabama's going to be lucky to have him return. He's only a sophomore, so maybe they'll get one more year from Jalen Waddle from uh, the greater Houston area. 
Yes. Bottom line, it was historic. It was one of the, you know, uh, greatest individual performances in the Iron Bowl and, frankly, in my mind, uh, practically in college football history, uh, especially by a losing player. Um, yes. And, you know, we can all, we'll all be left to wonder, uh, given the day he was having, which was nothing short of magical, what might have happened had he received that punt on the final, you know, on what turned out to be the final <laughs> important play of the game. Um, right. You know, because he, he, he was just in a zone all day long, and it was just special stuff. Uh, but what a game, AP. Unfortunately for Alabama, uh, it's almost weird to say this because it's been so long. Um, they're not going to be in the college football playoff, and I'm sure that just uh, creates all types of angst down in the great state of Alabama. Yeah, for the very first time, John, since the inception of the college football playoff system, Alabama's right. going to be another bowl. We'll be in the semifinal. On the outside looking in, it, it's, a, it's a world turned upside down when we get to that point. So, <laughs> uh, again, the stakes of the game were enormous for that very reason. Alabama had everything to play for, Auburn. I think there are only three losses. AP have all been have been to all top ten teams. Um, yes. So you know, let's just say they're the best three loss team in the country. I think that's safe to say, and I, I think pretty much everybody's known that throughout the year. Yeah, I think so. They had six games. I called it the season of Highway 66. Six games. They should win six games up in the air. Oregon, Florida, Texas A&M, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. If they were to go three and three in those games and win the other six, they'd have a nine-win season with a chance for ten games. That was a fantastic season with a freshman quarterback. Right. Exactly. We all remember Bo Nix introducing himself to the nation uh, and I believe, opening weekend back in August slash September, Labor Day weekend, whatever. Uh, beating Oregon, <laughs> you know, and in a special way at the end. So uh, the kid is interesting. Way well, P, thank you so much for your perspective. Just fabulous stuff from you attending the unforgettable Iron Bowl. But now it's time for our break. And sticking around will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone. 
and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we devoted the previous segment entirely to the epic Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn that you attended and covered this past Saturday. Frankly, AP, we could have devoted the rest. Of, we could devote the rest of the show to it. There was so much went on there. Um, I just want to be sure we covered everything in your estimation. There's so much we covered a lot, but there was so much more. Uh, any other things that we left out of that game because it was such a epic, important game uh, with so much going on. Um, I just want to be sure we, we, we put everything to bed for the Alabama-Auburn game. Yeah, no, just to mention that Najee Harris continues to impress from the running back position for Alabama. He had 146 yards, and he was tremendous. Uh, it's unfortunate that the ball was thrown when Mac Jones is being pressured on, off his back and was intercepted by the linebacker who proceeded to, to run the other way for 100 yards, and that was a, a fantastic play in and of itself. Right, right. He's a talented quarterback. I mean, he he made plays on Saturday, that's for sure. Unfortunately, he had two pick sixes, but he also uh, produced a lot, and I mean a lot of offense. Uh, nice running play for a huge first down in the second half, if I remember correctly. Uh, and yeah, he showed himself to be a, uh, a more than worthy backup. Uh, and again, just one of the most entertaining uh games in recent memory you know to me it's not even like a game come like that comes across you know happens every year to me a game like that happens once every three to five years like that's how good it was um you know it's not a it's beyond a yearly occurrence it's it's uh you know again a rare rare event and you were there, and that's awesome. I'm sure you, you just have so many memories from Iron Bowls, and I agree with you. There's no question within the past decade, hands down, it's been the best 
rivalry in college football. No rivalry game seems to mean more each year, but more importantly, comes down to, you, you know, better played games and exciting and all that. So I'm with the AP as it stands. Now it is the best college football rivalry in the land in my book. Yeah. I think John, one of the other things that affects that intensity is because it's within the state. You might be playing against your teammate. You might be playing against your cousin, you might be playing against your brother for all we know. Right. I mean, just, it's, it's just that type of uh, intertwining relationships and, and, uh, I mean, not only are you playing against people from, let's say, the state of Alabama, you might be playing against your teammate from Georgia and Florida or Louisiana, Mississippi, or Tennessee. It, it runs that deep. Exactly right, AP. And, you know, that's why I've talked so often about uh, when I was growing up how meaningful the Pitt-Penn State game was for the, exactly the, very, the reasons you just mentioned. Everything uh, and those games used to be the last game of the season with national championships on the line in the 70s, especially the 80s, with great names, great players, blah, blah, blah. And that's why I've, to this day, still harp on that Pitt-Penn State game that went away for so many years and got played in recent years, but early in the season in September. But for all the reasons you just mentioned about Alabama-Auburn, that, that back in the day, that was Pitt-Penn State. So, uh, And I grew up on it. I think there was four years in a row that number one was at stake in the game. One of the two teams was the number one team in the country. And that's pretty much been the case in recent years with Alabama and Auburn AP. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been a number of championships, uh, Clemson, Alabama, Auburn, uh, seems they're always in the thick of it nowadays. Um, Correct. Absolutely. Which would Gus, yeah, what Gus Malzahn has done now, if he can get to this 10th game and he'll probably have a good recruiting year, he'll, he'll tweak his, his offensive philosophy maybe a little bit but because uh, they struggled some this season. But uh, Auburn, you know, they can you can win the championship there, SEC championship. You can win a national championship occasionally as well. No doubt about it. Absolutely, AP. And AP... Uh I think we, you know, the college football playoff, there's that uh, now uh, famous fourth spot open. We have three undefeated teams, Ohio State, who put the wood to Michigan yet again at, at Ann Arbor, by the way, in the big house. Then, of course, Clemson, uh, the quietest undefeated team in the country, seems and Dabo uh, spoke his mind after the game about how he thinks they're viewed. And then, uh, of course, LSU, the, uh, you, you know, basically the surprise undefeated team of the year and uh, an offensive juggernaut, uh, a phrase I never thought I would associate with LSU, <laughs> but I am today. <laughs> so anyway, those, those three slots uh, with the conference championship games, of course, pending that could impact those top three. But now we're down to really who's going to be the fourth team selected, AP. Uh, it feels like it's kind of down to Georgia, Oklahoma. Hearing a little bit about Utah. Um, I, I don't see it, personally. I think I just don't see it. Uh, if, again, Oklahoma or Georgia wins, to me, they're in for number four. How do you view it? John, the other team I was going to bring up is Baylor, right? They Baylor, yeah. One loss as well. And if Baylor can lose that 
uh, come from behind victory by Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game right. and Utah falters and, and Georgia's defeated by LSU, I think you're looking at Baylor as well. I think it's possible. I, I agree. Baylor, uh, yeah. Boy, they just have to be regretting how they gave up that lead to Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, an amazing, amazing fourth quarter comeback by Oklahoma. All credit to them. But had Baylor won that game and then won out, I, I think we could be very possibly looking at four undefeated teams and Baylor would have been the fourth team. I, I don't know that they could have kept them out. Um, but uh, not the way it worked out. Right now, AP, do you, do you agree that Georgia has the inside track that if they win, they're in? And, and by the way, by winning, they're beating LSU. Right, they're beating LSU. So you beat, let's say, the one or two team. The LSU's been one and two through the yep. season. You've beaten Florida. You've beaten Auburn. Um, that's a horrific loss of South Carolina at home. Yep. But you can't deny them the victories against those ranked opponents. And uh, I, I'm curious if Utah wins out, they lost to USC. USC is an 8-14. and um, Is Utah, because the way in which they've won, looking at their schedule, and Oklahoma kind of scraped by some teams. Let's say if Oklahoma wins out, it's Utah going to get the nod. I'm, I'm just not sure. I'm just not certain. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'd i love to see Utah get in there. I really would. Um, yeah. You know, so if Georgia loses and then Oklahoma is going to play Baylor in the Baylor, Big championship, Baylor is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And and I've always said that I do not understand. I mean, I do understand why the Big 12 has a championship, but why should I have to beat somebody twice? Correct. Why should I have to beat somebody twice? Now, Oklahoma, let's say that they didn't have another game, John, right? Right. They would be representing the Big 12 because they beat Baylor, right? So, mm-hmm. but because they have the, the Big 12 championship, and they want that exposure on championship Saturday, they've got to beat Baylor twice now. Exactly, exactly. Uh, on a neutral site, no less. Uh, but they already did right. it at, at Baylor. So, I mean, that won't be a problem. Right. Or they, they won't be intimidated no, no, by a neutral be. site by any means. That favors no, Oklahoma, no, they'll bring, obviously. Yeah they'll, yeah, they'll bring plenty of fans down to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, of course, Waco's just south of Dallas, so there'll be uh, probably a split crowd. But, I mean, this is, this is the well, – right now, John, if you look at it, I guess the Big 12 is in a favorable position because Baylor lost to Oklahoma. If Baylor wins the game, if you're just avenging the team that defeated you, so it kind of wipes out that loss to some degree, Correct. right? Correct. And then Oklahoma, if they beat Baylor, Baylor is a team that's only lost to Oklahoma. So that would, that would be considered another good win You know, within exactly. that conference. So yes. you know, they seem to be in the perfect position either team would have enough style points to be considered. Absolutely. No question, AP. Well, you know, um, it's uh, time for our break. But, you know, why don't we take our break now? We'll get into the conference championship games, the one that really could impact the college football playoff. Uh, They're all scheduled this weekend, so we'll do that after this break. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And as we get started, my pick of the week <clears throat> for appointment viewing is all the college football conference championship games uh, this weekend. And AP kicks off on Friday night with Utah versus Oregon uh, for the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Utah is still in the hunt. And uh, Oregon has had a great year as well. So what's your thoughts on that game to kick off the weekend? Yeah, Utah is playing for a lot. They had a, a good year, John. They just faltered once, as we said, uh, against USC. And I think they're poised to win that game. Uh, I, just, I, I just think they're tough up front. I mean, you know, offensively and defensively on the line, offensive and defensive lines. And I think that Oregon's probably wounded, uh, you know. And I think that Utah's trying to get into this playoff. I think it'll be a good ball game, but I think that they'll win out in the end. Correct. Uh, I, Utah has everything on the line. 
They've had some undefeated teams in the past uh, going into these big games. Urban Meyer, that's where he, he used to be their coach, right? Urban Meyer was the coach of Utah. Alex Smith was the quarterback. Yep, that's where he built his reputation, uh, Urban Meyer, and then, uh, of course, went from Utah down to Florida. So they've had their moments in time, and they're going to have another one this Friday night. And then moving into Saturday, we we, we touched on some of this at the previous segment, but Baylor, Oklahoma at noon Eastern time uh, in a rematch of the spectacular game uh, just a few weeks ago. What are your thoughts on this game, AP? Yeah, Baylor's got to feel pretty confident that they let that one slip away, but Jalen Hurts, I mean, he seems to find a way to win, John. And yep. I wouldn't put, put it past him that Oklahoma has too much firepower and they'll play probably better defensively in that game, not, not let Baylor get out ahead of them so much. Uh, you know, Baylor's a team, remarkable turnaround by Matt Rule. And that was a, he coached them one year. that didn't have a single victory, I think, yep. when he first arrived. And so now, you're, now you're playing winless. for the conference. Yeah, they may have even been winless when he inherited them. But no right. more than one, may, yeah. one win that year. Yep. No, no. And they've had their, their moments offensively uh, when they put up some big points. So they had the overtime game against at TCU in Fort Worth. Uh they they just beat West Virginia by three points. They had an overtime victory against Texas Tech, thirty-three to thirty. Uh, tight ball game against Iowa State, two points, twenty-three twenty-one. So occasionally they have trouble scoring a lot of points. Whereas Oklahoma, they've been pretty consistent in that regard, except the uh, the, the the game where they lost to Kansas State. That, that was their single loss, which right now that's one of the worst. You know, it's not. It's probably similar to. Um, I, I don't. Th- I think the USC loss by Utah is better than the, than Kansas State loss, right? Uh, by Oklahoma, I agree. But in that I game, agree. they still they still scored forty one points. You know, they they they've, the least amount of points that they scored all season. Oklahoma has been. I think it's let me see. I'm looking thirty. 28, 28 yep. points, TCU. They're an offensive juggernaut. Yep, yeah, no so, doubt about it. I mean, unless you get, the, unless you could turn them over, I, I think you're looking at 30 plus points. You bet, you better be ready to score. No doubt about it, AP. And to hit your sweet spot at 4 p.m. Eastern time will be yes. Georgia LSU. Uh, right. And what are your thoughts on that one? Georgia offensively has struggled, and one of their receivers is going to be out because he got into a fight on uh, the Georgia Tech game. Incredibly, you know, they're winning big. They won the game fifty-two to seven, and he was, I think, set out part of that game already for an in-house rule violation. And then in the rival game against Georgia Tech, you get into a fist fight. You're trying to hit somebody with a helmet on their head. I don't quite understand. Uh, if, you know, you can refrain from from getting into a tussle. You have pads on. You can hit somebody the next play. Just, just wait to the next play. You know, why get into a fist fight on the football field with some, when somebody's wearing a helmet? You can hurt your hand and get suspended for the next ball game, which is so crucial for them. They're trying to make this college football playoff. They have to win out. They can't afford to lose the game like LSU, let's say. 
But I, I just think that LSU has been too strong all year, John, offensively. You have to guard every one of those receivers, and Joe Burrow can find the open spot. And if you don't, he doesn't, he's going to run the football with those long legs and make yardage, positive yardage. Excellent running back. They get the ball to the tight end. Uh, they're just very difficult to hold down. Uh, Auburn did it uh, in Baton Rouge, but and Georgia has a great defense. The games in Atlanta, indoors, weather will not be a factor, but I just see LSU with, the, I believe, uh, Joe Burrow and company that win that ball game. Yes, I, I agree with you on that for sure, AP. It's just, it feels like LSU's year. It just does. We'll see if it pans out that way, but that's how it's feeling right now. And uh, the other, then we have Virginia Clemson at 730 Clemson uh, undefeated. What else can you say, AP? I think we all know how that game is likely to turn out with Clemson winning and going back again to the college football playoff. And lastly, as we get under two minutes here, is uh, Ohio State-Wisconsin. Big Ten championship game at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday night. What are your thoughts on that one, AP? Ohio State drilled them earlier in the year, John. That was a big victory in Wisconsin. You know, they're trying to Impress people. They have, always have the great running back, offensive line. They're going to have to play some defense in this game. No, nobody's really been able to stop Ohio State. I mean, they just with Justin Fields and he's thrown through those receivers and the good running back they have. You better be able to play some defense. I, I just don't see Wisconsin having enough defense and able to slow them down. You know, the game was 38 to seven in Columbus, neutral site. Now maybe that score gets a little bit closer. But when you're scoring uh, over 40 points uh, most every game, the lowest they have was the 28 with Penn State, and that was in Columbus. And, uh, you know, Penn State noted for the defense, of course. But you score 56 points at Ann Arbor. Uh, you're going to Indianapolis indoors, perfect yep. weather. You, I, I'm not sure that Wisconsin has enough defensively to hold them down. I agree, AP, and as always uh... – you have your uh, your finger on the pulse of college football as we head into conference championship weekend. And just want to thank you for calling in all your expertise, particularly uh, attending and covering the Epic Iron Bowl this past Saturday. And uh, uh, good show. Uh, this, the, we're getting down to the really, really, really good stuff here in college football, which we both love. Hey, thank you, John. It's my pleasure. We just want to send condolences to the Auburn folks for the passing of 1971 Heisman Trophy winner, Pat Sullivan. I saw that, AP. I'm glad you mentioned that. I felt bad. I remember growing up as a kid and watching Pat Sullivan and Terry Beasley, uh, one of the great early passing combinations in college football history, and Pat went on to win the Heisman. And I'm glad you had the chance to mention that. I felt bad about that as well. He's a legend. Sure was. No doubt about it, AP, and thanks again for calling in, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.